All right, we are going to go to the Bible. So can I get you guys to please open up your Bibles to the book of James, which is like the second last book or like the third last book of the Bible. Is it the fourth last book? It's really, really at the end. Uh, the book of James. And I'm going to be reading a really short passage for us today. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. I'll be reading this in the ESV version. You guys can please follow along. Just a reminder as we read this that this is God's word. James chapter 1 verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Amen. Thanks, Peter. And because Peter said it's the fourth last book, and I was curious, I went and checked. It's like the eighth last book. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> you know your Bible well. Uh, I had no idea either. All right, welcome again. Um, good to have you, and especially good to see those who are online joining us. And like Peter said, if this is your first week or you haven't been here for a while, it's especially good to see you. We're starting a new series, and that means because you've joined us in the first week, you have to come back for the rest of the series. Um, that's the promise you've made. And so we'll see you again uh, next week. You know, uh, tomorrow, my son, my firstborn, Reuben, is going to kindergarten, right? The, the, his first kind of official big day of kindergarten. I know some other parents here, they've sent their kids uh, for the first day. Jeremy had his first day the other day. Uh, oh. It's made Uni and I kind of really reflective, emotional. And looking back on how far Reuben has grown, right? Even last week, I didn't, uh, yesterday, even, I didn't plan this. Even yesterday, I was sending Uni these photos and videos of Reuben. I was like, oh, look at this video, right? Remember when um, Reuben used to sing, right, into that microphone, right? G6, like a G6, <laughs> and Taylor Swift songs. Do you remember when he used to sing? Oh, he, I sent her this video of him running in our apartment with this Batman cape on. I oh, remember when he used to wear that. He'd make us stand there and we'd have to clap <laughs> while he ran past us. Oh, he's grown so much. Remember, he used to speak with that high voice, right, with broken words. Right? Look how far he's grown. Right? These photos, these videos, these moments are like snapshots of, you know, spurts of growth. And as we look back, we're like, he used to be like that, uh, but look how much he's grown since then. Right? That's what happens with kids. Right, all the parents would know, you look back at your photo albums, look how much they've grown. Right, they used to be like that, but they're no longer like that. That's just what happens, right? People grow. That's what happens with Christians. Christians are meant to grow. Right, we are meant to look back in our lives and be able to see snapshots and moments and milestones where we're able to say, oh, look how I used to be. Remember when I was unable to, you know, do this. Remember when I struggled with that thing, but look how much I've grown since then. Oh yeah, I remember that was a time I struggled with that temptation, but now I've overcome it. I remember back then I used to be so less mature. I was such a child of the faith, but now I've grown to be, you know, a man or a woman of God, right? I used to be a baby, but now I no longer am. Look how much I have grown. 
right? This year we're striving for holiness, right? This is a year of holiness. One of the things I'd love for us to do is that we'd get to the end of the year and be able to look back to this moment and say, look how much I've grown, right? I used to be like this, and maybe I'm not perfect, right? We're not going to be perfect, but at least maybe in this area, right? I have grown since then, right? To have those kinds of markers and milestones in our lives, And there's no better book of the Bible to jump into as we talk about holiness than the book of James. James is written by um, James. He's the brother of Jesus. And what he talks about is very practical, very simple things about things that you and I can apply into our lives. If you want a simple, practical book to read through, James is the one to go to. It's it's one of my favorite books. Right there, second to Philippians. I was going to get us, actually, this month to read James every day like we do with Philippians. Um, And if you want to do that, you can do that. Um, But in in growth groups, you're going to have your own kind of separate devotional, right? And so if you're in growth group, you probably want to do that. But you can do this as well if you want, right? Such a great book. But we're going to begin in the start, chapter 1. We're looking at verse 2 to 4. And first, I want to look at this. I want to look at, if you want a title, it's Growing in Holiness. I want to look at the place of growth, Let's read verse 2. James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, if you're a Christian, you've grown up in the church, or you've been with me for a while, you'll know these verses really well. Very famous. And it's kind of easy to kind of overlook it. To not grasp the significance of what James is saying here. Because when you kind of really think about it and ponder it and you know, meditate and digest it, These words are life-changing words, right? And I'm not just exaggerating. What he says sounds, to be frank, a little nonsensical. It seems a bit absurd as what he's commanding us to do. He's saying, when you face trials of various kinds, right? And what we tend to do is like, oh, you don't understand what I'm going through. I know that's what you might say to someone else, but you don't know what I'm going through. No, James says, various kinds, doesn't matter what you're going through, you are meant to count it joy. Joy. Joy is probably the last thing we will feel or think about when we're going through a tough time, right? When we're going through loss, Sickness, betrayal, we're feeling sadness, we're feeling anger, we're feeling defeat, confusion. Joy is like somewhere over there. But James says that, that, which you feel like should not be in the equation, is exactly how you should be. That's how you should count it, consider it. That's how you should feel even. Now let me clarify This passage is not encouraging Christians to fake it. James isn't saying when you go through a tough time, you have to smile and be like, it's awesome, right? Like, I lost my job, I love it. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you got to always be like, you know, um, God is good, right, all the time, right, and and pretend. But the reality is when we go through tough times, we will feel a myriad of emotions, Some of them I just named, sadness, anger, discouragement. But in the midst of all those things, James is saying the Christian has a reason to have joy. A a true, unwavering, persevering joy 
right, that stands in the midst of all of it and really rises above it all and at the end of the day endures it all. Right, we may begin downcast. We may begin lamenting. Right, we did a series last year on lamenting. Right, but the one that perseveres through it all and drives us through is joy. Right, that is the Christian. It's not the only emotion you feel. But it is a true emotion despite it all. And it is the enduring one that will take you through. Look at the way Peter talks about a very similar idea in 1 Peter. He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Again, Peter's putting forward these two kind of emotions that don't seem to go together. You're being grieved by trials, and yet we we rejoice, right? The Christian is able to kind of do both at the same time. Paul talks about being sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, right? It's this kind of wrestling inside of us that we feel, but joy is present through all of those difficulties. It's not exclusively joy, but it is a true, unwavering, persistent joy. I don't know if you've met someone going through a tough time, and it is tough, and you can see it on their faces or when they share that whatever they're going through is really difficult, right? It's hit them hard emotionally, but there's this kind of steadfastness, this um, something inside of them that will not let them give up. They're, they're, they're still positive through all of the negative, right? Because they have Jesus, right? That is what James is describing here, right? I can think of a couple right now who have gone through a really difficult couple of months. Every time I talk to them, they're so strong, in the trust in God that there is a joy despite all of their struggles. And I'm sure it goes up and down. That is the kind of joy James is talking about here. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, because you know. The reason we're able to be joyful is because we know something. And so if you are a Christian here going through a tough time, this is what you need to know in order to find joy in your situation. And if you're not going through a tough time, I want you to take this truth, this principle, I want you to tuck it away into a pocket somewhere because life will get tough. And in those moments, you need to know this. And the fact that James says you need to know this, again, it's in the midst of many negative emotions. I know this. And so my attitude and my perspective is different. And therefore, that's where the joy comes from. Okay, what do we know? You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you were to draw like a, a diagram, James is saying you've got to test, and that will lead to steadfastness, right? This perseverance and steadfastness, right? If you will remain faithful in it, it would lead to perfection. Trials, steadfastness, it'll lead to perfection. It'll lead to holiness, he's saying. There's a formula for growth. I read it in this book called Peak Performance. It's a non-Christian book. It's about, you know, athletes performing to their, you know, peak. And in it, he gives this um, formula for growth. He says, stress plus rest equals growth. But that's how you grow. If you want to grow, you need stress plus rest, and then you will grow, right? If you look at the physical growth, you will know that's true, 
Uh, you don't grow by sitting on the couch, you know, eating bags of chips and you know, connoisseur ice cream while watching Netflix you know, night after night. I just described my life <laughs> to you. That's not how you grow physically. I mean, you, you grow physically, but you know, not in the way that you want to. Not, not muscle-wise, right? not healthy-wise. In order to grow physically, there needs to be stress on your body. Right? We all understand this. You go out for a run, you push yourself to the limit, you go to the gym, you, you do weights, but not just light weights, you need to bring yourself to the point of failure. And as you stress your body, and then you persevere through the reps, and then you go home, you rest, then you wake up looking like some other people here, not like me. Right? That's how you grow. And you got that person whispering in your ear, right? You can keep going, three more, three more. And you're like, no, I can't do it. But you keep persevering through the weight that has been placed on you. That is how you grow. Right? Someone once asked Muhammad Ali, how many sit-ups can you do? And his response was, I don't count my sit-ups. I only start counting when it starts hurting because they're the only ones that count. Right, that's true. If you want to grow, it's, it's at that point where you feel like it's too much and you keep going. That is when you will physically grow stronger. You know, this is true mentally. I heard that if you want to teach your kids to learn something, let's say they're learning a maths problem, you don't jump in straight away and show them the answer. You let them try and try until they give up. Right? They mentally kind of reach their limit. And they're like, oh, I can't do it. Then you step in and you teach them. That, apparently, is how you grow, right? Stress and then rest is growth. What's most important for us is that this is how we grow, spiritually. We grow when we are spiritually stressed, right? Uncomfortable, pressured, when life is difficult, what James is calling trials. And we persevere and then we rest in God. And then we grow. But as we persevere through the pain, we are being perfected. As we persevere through the pain, right, in faith, that is how we are become perfected. That is how you become more like Jesus in the place of difficulty. You become more like Jesus in the trials that test your faith. When life is difficult, when you feel like you want to give up, but you don't, and you keep persevering in prayer, in the word, in community, that is a place where you will grow. And when you think about it, um, I've probably grown most in my patience since I had a child. Because after I had a child, that's when my patience has been tested the most. It is when, like, you know, I, I, I want to give up. Like, I, I, it's when it's a struggle, but I bite my lip, right? I, I stay calm. Those are the moments you will grow, right? The, the king who has never had to wait for anything, right, clicks his fingers and food is brought to him, never learns patience, right? They need to be tested in order to grow in that area. This is the place of growth. When life is hard and you keep persevering, God is growing your faith. You know, for those of us who are going through a tough time, one of the things that God is doing in your life is that he's making you more like Jesus. 
He's making you holy. He's growing your faith and your trust in him. He's deepening your relationship and intimacy with him. All of this as you pass through that difficult pathway of your trial. You know, the whole world, even the the non-believing people out there, they want to believe that there is a purpose behind their pain. Even people who don't believe in God say stuff like, it'll be all right. Right? It'll all work out. I'm sure there's a reason for this. You know, but if you don't believe in God, there's no basis to be able to say that. How can you say that it'll be all right if, if there's no God? If everything's an accident? How can you say that you know, there's a reason for it if there's no one writing the story of your life for you? You know, as Christians, we can have that kind of confidence because we believe in a God that is in control of everything. And so when we say to one another, or we say to ourselves, it will be okay, we know because God is in control. And when we say there's a reason for this, we know because there is a God who is sovereign. And one of the things that God is working out in your life that you can be confident about is that he is sanctifying you. But he's making you holy. There is a purpose behind your pain. And you can know that because we believe in a God who is real and he is sovereign. And one of the purposes that he may be working out is making you more perfect, more holy, more like Jesus. If you pause and really consider what James is saying here, you know, I think this command might be one of the most significant mental shifts a Christian can make in their lives. If we can really grasp it and apply it, it will change your life. When I was a new Christian, I loved passages like this. You come to it and you'll be like, that makes no sense. That sounds stupid. It sounds kind of weird. sounds the opposite of what I'd normally do. But you think about it and you apply it and you realize, wow, what seemed foolish is really God's wisdom. You see, if we can apply this in our lives, not only would the good times be filled with joy, but even the bad and difficult times, James is saying, can be filled with joy. If a person can live through life in the good and the bad filled with joy, would that not be one of the greatest mental changes that you can take right as you live your life? Imagine what a difference it would make in your life. That no matter what you go through, you could say, this feels completely bad, but in God, there is good. To say, this feels like it's complete loss, but because of God, I know that there is gain to be had in this situation. That even though it feels like only pain, I can know that there is purpose in it. Can you imagine a life like that? That is the life that James invites us to. Trials are the place of growth, as long as we persevere. For the person in an uncomfortable place, this principle should comfort you because there is a reason and there is God at work in your life. But what about the person who is comfortable? Nothing bad is going on in your life right now. What about us? You know, if this is true, if difficulty and discomfort 
is the place that we will grow, then this is kind of like a warning for us who are comfortable. And the warning is that in your comfort, you may not be growing. But if you're way too comfortable, you're probably going backwards because the place of growth is discomfort. And so second, I want to talk about the pursuit of growth. You know, I stayed at an orphanage in um, Thailand. Um, I went to Thailand for a few months, uh, many, many years ago. Um, and I stayed at an orphanage in northern Thailand. A few people have been there. I know Peter's been there, I think. Um, beautiful place. The kids are so amazing there. Right? Maybe one day we can go. Um, and one day we were helping them with manual labor. And it's really hot. If you know Thailand, super humid, super hot. And so, you know, the kids start, you know, they're taking off their shirts because it's so hot. And so all the mission, mission teams, so there was a team from Korea that, I, that was there. I was helping them. We all take our shirts off. And immediately in that moment, you knew. You knew who was from Thailand and you knew who was a foreigner because all the Thai kids were like, they're like all muscle, lean. Everyone's got a six pack. And all of the, the, pe- the foreigners from comfortable places, like we're just like, oh, <laughs> we all had like one packs and it's just stark difference. And you know, a part of it really is that these kids grew up in what we would say is uncomfortable situations. You know, where, you know, a lot of the things that they do would be physically demanding. Right? They'd have to walk to school, right, which would, might take an hour or two. Or they'd have to sweep, you know, the, the, the floor, um, whereas we have like vacuum cleaners. Right? A lot of that stress on their physical bodies actually made them very strong. But for us... We came from Australia, Korea, America. We had lived in comfort. Right? Isn't that true? We live in comfort. And we don't walk to school. We don't walk anywhere. We, we drive. How easy is that? Not only that, we don't want to get out of our car and walk to the restaurant to buy food. So we drive through, right, to get our food. We don't even want to walk that little bit distance. And now... We don't even walk from, want to walk from our homes to our car to go to the drive-thru. And so we press a few buttons and Uber Eats brings it to me. Right? And that's awesome, right? We, we celebrate the fact that we are very comfortable. But again, if you look at physically, that comfort might be killing us. Right? Because comfort is the place right, where you will not grow. Right? Discomfort is the place we grow. You might have felt that last year through lockdown, very comfortable, roll out of bed, five minutes before work, turn on the computer, do some work, feel a bit tired, roll back into bed, right? eat in bed during Zoom service, right? We're just very comfortable. What happened? Right? I was lamenting with a brother two days ago. We both uh, had to increase our shirt sizes. Because of lockdown, right? I went from small to medium. I had to like buy a whole bunch of shirts. That's what happens, right, in comfort. Spiritually, it's the same. You know, we live in a world where it's so easy to be comfortable, where we have security, money, medically, right? We are so blessed. But all of these things make us spiritually lazy. And what is potentially possible is that in that comfort, we may die in our faith. When I went to Thailand to the orphanage, 
You know, they are seriously worried about what they might eat sometimes next week, at times the next day. Can you imagine the kind of prayers you would pray in that moment? Prayers of just passion and desperation and really seeking God in a way where honestly, you and I may not seek God like that often. But in that discomfort, their faith grows. And in our comfort, sometimes our faith dies. Comfort is the place where faith goes to die. And so in a comfortable world, it's a warning sign. It's a warning sign for all of us that we must never grow too comfortable or else our faith, even our faith, may go to die. You know, Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's very hard, he's saying, for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Is it because rich people are evil? No. It's because rich people are comfortable. And in their comfort, they look to money rather than God. They make a God of money rather than God. They find their security in money rather than God. Their faith dies because they're so comfortable. In Revelation chapter 2 to 3, Jesus, he speaks to the seven churches. And if you look at the seven churches, the two richest churches are also the two churches that are doing the worst. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Our wealth, our comfort in Sydney is a blessing, but if we're not careful, can be a curse in our walk with God. The challenge then for you and I is to be diligent in always pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones. If we want to grow, right, if that's our goal, then we can't remain comfortable. We need to proactively get up, push ourselves into uncomfortable places. You know, the Christian was never meant to be comfortable. It was never a part of, you know, the life that Jesus called us to. It's thrown out the moment we look at our Lord and Savior Jesus, born right, in a manger, lived a life as a vagabond with nowhere to lay his head to sleep. He's falsely accused, crucified on a cross. And he tells you and I, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You want to be a follower of Jesus? Die to yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Right? Comfort was never a part of what Jesus called us to. It was always discomfort. Push yourself, sacrifice, get out of your comfort zone. That is a Christian life. Because when you think about what we are meant to be, right, that, that goal of holiness, none of it, none of it is on the road toward comfort. Generosity, not comfortable. Serving other people, not comfortable. Forgiving those who have hurt you, not comfortable. Loving your neighbor, not comfortable. Evangelizing to your non-believing friends, not comfortable. Welcoming newcomers to come through the door. We love you, but it's not comfortable. Being honest with our struggles, it's not comfortable. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. 
not comfortable. All of these things are things we are called to do. But if you want to do that, if you want to be there, if you want to grow in holiness this year, the road you are called down toward is a road that is uncomfortable. And you need to be able to say, I'm willing to become uncomfortable this year. I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone. But I'm willing to put in the hard work, knowing that it's going to be a struggle sometimes. Because what I want, at the end of it all, is holiness. None of the things I named are comfortable, but all of them, all of them, take us toward holiness. The question is, for us today, is do you want holiness enough to become uncomfortable this year? If this year is a year of holiness, then it is necessarily a year of discomfort. Right? Because growth doesn't happen just sitting back. Right? Again, sitting on the couch, that's not where you grow. Christian, just laying back, not changing anything. That's not the place where we grow. And if you want to grow, either difficulty will come your way and that will refine you, or in the place of comfort, we get up off the couch ourselves and we fight. Right? Arnold Schwarzenegger, you guys know Arnold Schwarzenegger? I'm never sure anymore because every movie I refer to, people are like, oh, you're old. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's like the Terminator. The, the governator, okay. He, he used to be Mr. Universe. I don't know if you know that. He talks about his joy as he worked out. He says this. He once said, people ask me in the gym all the time, why are you smiling all the time? Why are you so happy? You have to lift 50 pounds of weights. You need to, you need to train five hours a day. And I look at the other body, bodybuilders' faces, and they look kind of depressing. They look sour. They're miserable that they have to lift weights. You don't look miserable. You look happy. Oh. And he says, I tell them, I smile because I know every rep that I do, every set that I do, every weight that I lift, I get one step closer to turning that vision of mine into reality, of becoming Mr. Universe. I knew that every rep got me closer to standing on that stage as a champion, I didn't really feel like I was lifting weights. I felt like I was lifting a trophy every time I lifted. He's saying, I was able to smile despite all the weights I had to endure five hours a day because that goal at the end was worth it to me. And so even though it's hard and tough, I'm happy because I'm getting a step closer to that goal. You know, what he's saying is James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Count it joy when you meet trials of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Our goal is holiness. Our goal is Christ-likeness. And we know that in order to get there, pain, stress, weight, we are joyful because we know that even though it's hard, the end goal is worth it to me. And because holiness, Christ-likeness, being closer to God, strengthening my faith is what matters to me, I will count it joy now. That's the question. Is holiness enough? Does it matter to you 
that you will find joy in your discomfort? Do you love that goal and that call toward holiness? When it comes to physical exercise, you and I know it's not a problem of knowing. We know that sitting on the couch and eating that junk food is not good for us. We know that getting up and putting on our running shoes, even though it's uncomfortable and running outside, is better for me. The problem is not knowing. The problem is we don't want that end goal enough. And so we sit on our couch and we eat that that Smith and Onions chip. It's waiting for me at home. <laughs> we don't want it enough. Spiritually, we stay in the same places, month after month, year after year, because the truth is we don't want holiness enough. So we've got a whole list of excuses, like I'm busy, I've got to do this, and da-da-da-da-da. But if holiness matters to you, you will get up, and you will get uncomfortable. Let me close by saying this is a year of holiness. My hope and prayer for us all is that we will grow. That by the end of this year, we will be not just healthy physically, that's important, healthy mentally, emotionally, but yes, have grown spiritually. Grown in our relationship with Jesus, grown in our likeness of Jesus. For some of us, that will come in certain moments this year as difficulty comes. Difficulty will enter your life. And in those moments, you need to remember, as I persevere through this pain, I am being perfected. I'm going to hold on to Jesus through it, even though I want to give up. And as you keep pushing forward in faith, God will refine you through that discomfort and pain. But some of us will have a much easier year. And in that comfort, you need to make that conscious choice to fight. Fight to get out of your comfort zone. Because comfort is a place where faith goes to die. And so be diligent. Make a commitment to God, that you will give it whatever it takes to grow. If this is a year of holiness, it is by necessity going to be a year of challenge, of discomfort, of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, because that is a place of growth, and that is what we pursue. So I want us to pray. Would you pray with me? As we put before you, This goal of holiness. And again, I said last week, this isn't something I'm putting before you. This is God's will. Your sanctification. This is what he wants. As we look to a year of holiness, would you commit yourself to find joy in discomfort? To be willing to embrace what at times may feel like sacrifice and pain that maybe even right now as you go through a difficult moment to to not give up on God you know God's not going to give up on you he's got a purpose he's doing a good work in you just don't let go of him but even in the easy times to push yourself because only then do we have a chance of growing this year God I commit myself to growth And so I commit myself to discomfort. I commit myself to be challenged. I commit myself to be pushed and to push one another. I commit myself, whatever it takes, God, whatever the sacrifices, I want to grow this year. I want to make it a year of holiness. Can you make that your prayer today? Let's pray.